And then we picked it up in verse 5. This is where we left off last week. Afterward, David was conscious stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. And I said, why was that? You had to tune in until next week to find out why. So we're going to take a look at this now. Um, whenever you do a, a Bible study or a teaching on the idea of spiritual authority, you are drawn to this portion of Scripture and use David as an example of how much David respected the authority that was there. Now, uh, in all honesty, for me, this is hard to grasp. I mean, it's great that he had such respect for the authority. Um, I don't know. Uh, some of it's just bizarre to me. I mean, so here is Saul. God has anointed Saul king of Israel. Then God announces that I have rejected Saul as king, right? That's what he said. And then he tells uh, Samuel to anoint David as king. Uh, but nothing changes. David is still uh, subservient to Saul. Saul still has the power. Uh, Saul has, then goes crazy nutsoid and is trying to kill David and is killing all kinds of people who he paranoidly thinks is helping David. And, uh, and here's your chance to kill this guy and end it all. How many of you guys you to kill him? Yeah, uh, me too. I mean, I just, you know, go see God. You know, I mean, that just been the end of it uh, but David did not do that and he felt horrible that he even had touched and disrespected him enough to cut off the edge of his robe so the analogy here is about showing respect to authority showing respect to the office uh, and I get that you know it's like a political leader you know we got all kinds of lunatic politicians running around in this country and while personally they all drive me crazy at some level, we need to respect that office and show respect to the office, even though we're not crazy about the particular person. Um, same thing is true in the church. You have pastors. Uh, some of them might be loonier and all get out. <laughs> and uh, while you need to show respect for the pastor, um, you need to be careful that you aren't being disrespectful to the office, even though the guy might drive you crazy. And that's a fine line a lot of Christians struggle with. <clears throat> um, again, here, it, it seems so cut and dry to me. I mean, Saul is as wicked as he can be. If you have a pastor who's absolutely wicked, who's been absolutely evil, that God says, I have rejected him as pastor, and I've anointed this other guy to be pastor, what do you do? You kick the bum out. I mean, to me, it's an easy call. Why that did not transpire here, I don't know. I don't get you. You need to find people a lot smarter than me to work it all out. Um, I don't know that God, did God ever praise him for being that respectful? I don't know that he did. But David was like, holy stinking cow. Just because he cut off the edge, he was conscience stricken. How could I do such a terrible thing? This is how much he respected the office of king. Even though this guy who was the king was really a pig of a king. But uh, wow, I mean, again, it's, it's great to uh, preach. Uh, oftentimes pastors who are uh, embattled and being criticized love to preach from this. And this is why you shouldn't criticize me because I'm the pastor and you're going to go to hell if you criticize me and, and all, that, all that kind of... Well, you're not hearing that. From, I don't talk like that, but I'm just, this is what people say, you know, because 
uh, you know, and I, I don't know. I don't know. It, when you're acting really, really badly, you have a man in a pastorate who's acting really, really badly. He should be removed, in my opinion. Uh, so anyway, it is what it is. Let's pick it up where, Paul, where, where David is conscious stricken. He says in verse 6, he says to the man, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed. Master? Lord's anointed? This guy is a pig. He is disrespectful. He's rebelling against God. He's killing some innocent people. He's trying to kill me. And David still, in that context, shows respect. I, I feel horrible. I disrespected my master, the Lord's anointed. The very Lord said, I reject this guy as king. Again, it's a great lesson for us. It's a challenge for us. I don't, I can't even, I'm just being honest with you. I can't even begin to relate to this. I, I don't know. This, this is, there's this level and then there's the Ho Chi Mama level. I mean, this, this is like, wow, off the charts for me. I, I don't get how anybody could be this respectful to someone this evil. But it certainly is a lesson for us about being careful to show respect to those, those whom God has anointed and blessed. Again, I go nutsoid crazy and start killing people, you really need to get rid of me. Okay? But, uh, you know, or, or really horrible behavior, stuff like that. So, so I get that. And, and, and again, I'm, I oppose pastors who would preach this to imply that they are untouchable and no one can do anything with them because they're the pastor and, you know, if you don't like it, kiss off and, you know, la, la, la. No, 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 no. I, I, I just don't see that. But you can certainly see where they get this from because that was the way David treated Saul, the Lord's anointed, or how could I even lift my hand against him? For he is the anointed of the Lord. So did he respect Saul's position. With these words, David rebuked his men because the men were saying, kill the bum. Kill the bum. I'd have been, you know, one of the cheerleaders. You know, give me a K. Give me an L. You know, kill him. Wipe him out for crying out loud. So David... <laughs> Would have been a beautiful cheerleader, would I have not? Uh, <laughs> if this doesn't work out for me, I can always fall back on that. But so David rebukes his men for egging him on, trying to kill him. And, uh, and he did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went on his way. Well, then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul. After it was a safe distance, remember, they're trying to kill him. And said, my lord, the king! And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, why do you listen when men say David is bent on harming you? See, David was under the impression that the reason um, Saul was trying to kill him is because men had incited him to kill him. Again, so much was his respect for this man. Saul was an idiot of astronomical proportions. Saul is trying to murder a man who is so loyal to him, it's off the charts. And again, all the circuits in my brain just go, blah, 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 blah. I just, I can't even get how loyal this guy is. And even David still is convinced the only reason Saul is doing this is because someone has said bad things about David and that David is trying to hurt you. So he calls out to Saul and says, why, why do you listen to people who say David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lift my hand against my master because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut it off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. 
Now understand and recognize that I am not guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds, so my hand will not touch you. Against whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom are you pursuing? A dead dog, a flea? I'm a nothing. I'm a nothing. Why are you chasing? I'm a nothing. Again, such a humble man was David. A reason why God used him. And remember, Saul was humble like that in the beginning. And the prophet said to him, when you were humble, God could use you. When you become arrogant, <laughs> now he's rejected you as king. So David, I'm a flea, I'm a nothing. He says, may the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. Again, David, unaware that Saul wasn't trying to kill him because anyone had egged him on. Saul just hated him. Saul was, was paranoid, delusional. Uh, you know, who knows what kind of mental problems he had. He kept talking about how he was tormented by uh, uh, some evil presence that God allowed to come upon him because God was punishing him for his wickedness. He'd lose his mind. He'd try and pin David to the wall three times. You know, how, talk about forgiving. Because you try to kill me once, I'm going to have issues with you. <laughs> Sir, you know what I'm saying? You know, you aren't, you aren't invited to my Christmas party. <laughs> three times. He physically tries to pin David to the wall, and David lets it go and says, surely someone has said something bad about me to him. Because there's no way he'd do this. <laughs> you know, I, I do hope y'all feel that way about me. That would be great. That would be awesome. Pastor Mark tried to kill me, but he's a good guy. I love that guy. Anyway, when David finished saying this, Saul asked, is that your voice, David, my son? And he started weeping. He started crying. I mean, he's humiliated. I'm sure, you know, here it's obviously demonstrated who is the more righteous. You are more righteous than I, he said. You have treated me well, but I've treated you badly. You have just now told me of the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him go away unharmed? But that's what he did, see. I mean, what you've just did, David, is off the charts. Nobody does this. May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today. I know that you will surely be king, and that your kingdom of Israel will be that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. Uh, now swear to me by the Lord, you will not cut off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's family. So what he's acknowledging is, I, I realize you're going to be king. God said he's going to be king. It just hasn't happened yet. We've talked about that. Just because God says it doesn't always happen right away. Be patient. He's not done with you yet. Okay? Uh, so he acknowledged it. He just said, just make a promise. Don't kill my offspring. Don't kill my sons and daughters. And, and, uh, and David gave his oath to Saul. Then Saul returned home. And, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. He still wasn't going to go hang with Saul. Now Samuel died. The guy who had anointed Saul in the first place. He's the one who established the first king. Uh, king Saul this was a united kingdom at this point uh, Israel was united under three kings it was united under uh, Saul it was united under David it was united under Sa uh, Solomon and then it split we'll get into that why it split uh, they did some of the same foolish things we do today in our country but uh, anyway we'll get into that later down the road so anyway, Samuel, this wonderful prophet, dies, and all Israel assembled and mourned for him. And they buried him at his Roman Ramah. 
Then David moved down to the desert uh, of Maon. A certain man in Maon who had property there in Camel was very wealthy. So here's this cat. He's just loaded. He's got 1,000 goats, 3,000 sheep, uh, which he was shearing in Carmel. His name was Nabal, and his, name, his wife's name was Abigail. Now, she was an intelligent and beautiful woman. She was quite the babe, okay? But her husband, a Calebite, was a surly was surly and mean in his dealings. What a shock. I can't imagine an intelligent, beautiful woman marrying a big, fat, stinking jerk. <laughs> what is the matter with you girls? Goodness <laughs> heavens. I'll tell you, I do this daily radio show. I don't know how many of you listen to my daily radio show, but... Oh, my goodness gracious. I married him. He used to beat the snot out of me. But I loved him and I married him. Why? Unbelievable stuff I hear. <clears throat> I need drugs just to do the show anymore. Anyway, so here's a gorgeous, beautiful babe, and she marries a big, fat, stinking jerk. While David was in the desert, he heard that Nabal, the big, fat, stinking jerk, was shearing sheep. So he sent 10 young men to him and said, hey, go up to the big, fat, stinking jerk. Tell him, how y'all doing? And say to him, what's up, what's happening? What's down? I love you, man. It's <laughs> my translation anyway. Now I hear that it is sheep shearing time. When your shepherds were here with us, uh, when your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them. We like these guys. The whole time they were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. We took care of them. We protected them. Remember, it's a very dangerous time. And uh, David protected uh, uh, Nabal's... Nabal? Yeah, Nabal. Don't call your kid Nabal. Uh, ask your own servants, and they will tell you. We're great guys. We're great guys. Ask your buddies. These guys that work for you. How fantastic we treated you. Therefore, do me a favor, will you, toward my young guys. S since uh, we come to festival time, please give your servants, and your son David, whatever you can find for them. Could you help us out? We're hungry. Could you give us some supplies? You know, whatever you could do, because we've already proven that in this situation, we always took care of you guys, and now we're kind of, you know, running for our lives. If you could help us out, that would be really nice. Uh, when David's men arrived, they gave Nabal uh, this message in David's name, and then they waited. And Nabal, Nabal answered David's servants, Who is this David? Who is the son of Jesse? He knew his dad's name. He obviously knew who he was. What are you saying? Who are you? You're a nothing. You're a nitwit. Okay. Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered for my shears and give it to men coming from who knows where? So David's men turned around and went back. When they arrived, they reported every word. And David said this to his men. Put on your swords. Okay. Bad plan. You don't tick off a killing machine, okay? This is the guy, as a punk kid, kills the biggest Philistine anybody had ever seen. He is fearless. He is unstoppable. No one. And when you read the stories of, of, of how he would attack people and, and get in the battles and climb up the sides of mountains to go after an enemy and kill them all and stuff, it never says the guy was so much as wounded. How do you not get some owies or something? You've got a lot of arrows to be sticking out of you after a while. 
This guy was unbelievable. So you insult this incredible warrior. That puts you in the nitwit category. So David said, put on your swords. So they put on their swords and David put on his. About 400 men went up with David. <laughs> Me and a few of my friends. 400 of us coming to kill you, you big fat jerk. So 200 stayed with the supplies, okay? So we got 600 guys, 400 to go with David, 200 to hang back. And one of the servants told Nabal's wife, Abigail, the babe, hey, David sent messengers from the desert to give our master his greetings. He was nice to him, but he hurled insults at him. No surprise to her because he was a big fat jerk. Yet these men were very good to us. They did not mistreat us the whole time. We were out in the fields near them. Nothing was missing night and day. There was a wall around. They were a wall around us. The whole time we were herding our sheep, they were protecting us. Now think it over and see what you can do because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. This guy is a big fat stinking jerk. Nobody can talk to him. Everybody who works for him hates him. He's out of control. He says, he just insulted David. These guys were smart. They get it. You take off the killing machine. He's probably going to show up. All right, so they're all freaking out. Well, Abigail lost no time. Smart babe. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep. Otherwise, they'd be naked. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ah, you come here. I don't know. Deal with it. <laughs> Five seas ro of roasted grain, a hundred cakes of raisins, and two hundred cakes of pressed figs, and loaded them on donkeys. Uh, uh, and then she told her servants, "Go on ahead, and I'll follow you." But she didn't tell her husband Nabal. Why? He's a big ass thing and jerk. As she came riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, there was Dave, there were David and his men descending toward her, and she met them. David had just said. It's been useless. All my watching over this fellow's property in the desert so that nothing of his was missing. He paid me back evil for good. May God deal with David, in other words, myself, be it ever so severely if by morning I leave alive one male of all who belong to him. I mean, he is ticked. God deal with me severely if not every one of those guys is dead by morning. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. That's, that's how I met Debbie. She... <laughs> you believe that? I got some donkeys to sell you. So she falls before his feet and, and says, My Lord, let the blame be on me alone. It's my fault. Please let your servant speak to you. Uh, hear what your servant has to say. Your servant meaning them. That's, they, they never said, I, let me. They said, your servant, okay? May my Lord pay no attention to that wicked man, Nabal. He is just like his name. He is a fool. <laughs> this is your husband. But he's a fool. And folly goes with him. Uh, but as for me, your servant, I did not see the men my master sent. Uh, now, since the Lord has kept you, my master, from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, may your enemies and all who intend to harm my master be like Nabal. Let, and let this gift, which your servant, which I have brought to my master, be given to the men who follow you. Please forgive your servant's offense, for the Lord will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my master because he fights the Lord's battles. Let no wrongdoing uh, be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, they knew his troubles, the life of my master will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God. 
but the lives of your enemies he will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. When the Lord has done for my message, you know, she's kissing up big time. Okay, just that's what all that means. It's just one big. So skip forward. <laughs> we get it. So verse 32, David says to Abigail, well, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. And I think he means it. You know, he, he would have taken the whole lot out. They would have never stopped him. This Nabal. Nabal's a nitwit. Good grief. You've got to wonder, what, what do people think sometimes? Anyway, then David accepted from her hand what she had brought him and said, go home in peace. I have heard your words and granted your request. Didn't hurt, by the way, that she was a babe. So how do you know that? Stay tuned. There's more coming to the story. Because David noticed she was a babe. When Abigail went to Nabal, she was in the house holding a banquet like that. Of a, he was in the house holding a banquet like that of a king. He's partying big time. He's just partying up. Yee-haw! He was in high spirits and very drunk. Do you think it would have been problematic for David to kill a lot of them? I don't think so. Nabal would have thought he was tough. I'll take you and all your 400 friends. <laughs> <laughs> Moron. I don't know. Where'd you go? I know you're here somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Alcohol. It's the clear thinking drug, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he's high in spirits, very drunk, so she told him nothing until daybreak. No sense in trying to reason with him. He was a junk jerk when he was sober. You can imagine how pleasant he was loaded. So then in the morning when Nabal was sober, this is real interesting. Now, check this out. When he's sober, then his wife told him all these things. So she goes to him and tells him what she had done. Well, instantly, his heart fails him, and he became like a stone. He had like a heart attack. He just drops. Now, was it God putting revenge on the guy for what he was going to do to David? Um, Was he, when he realized what he had done, and it dawned on him, because nobody could be this intentionally stupid. I don't know, maybe just arrogant. When she said, listen, I found David, and his guys were coming to kill everybody. Did that freak him out? All we know, heart attack. <coughs> he drops over. About 10 days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. So the guy kisses off. He's out of the way. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, praise be to the Lord. Now, when you drop dead, and everybody goes, praise the Lord. You got issues, all right? You know, one person doesn't like you. Three or four people don't like you. When everybody doesn't like you, and they go, praise God, ding dong, the witches did, you know what I mean? They break it out in song. You are doing well. So he goes, praise the Lord, who has upheld my case against Nabal for treating me with contempt. He just says, praising God, I was going to kill him, God killed him. So he's kept his servant from doing wrong and has brought Nabal's wrongdoing down on his own head. God took care of it. By the way, best to let God deal with that kind of stuff. So I'm going to say amen. Amen. Yeah, don't get crazy. Then David sent word to Abigail. And what was this word? Hey, baby. 
I see you happen to be free this weekend. <laughs> Sheesh. You know, I tell my wife, if I drop dead, don't start dating before the funeral's over. I mean, that'd be a drag, you know. <laughs> but again, hello, hello. David uh, hits on the girl. Says, come on, be my wife. And his servants went to Carmel and said to Abigail, David has invited you to take you to become his wife. And she bowed again with the face to the ground. Here is your maidservant, ready to serve you and wash the feet of my master's servants. Again, the kind of vows Debbie had at our wedding. <laughs> I, I'm ready to serve you. <laughs> got quickly on the donkey she was into it yes of course she'd been living with a big fat stinking jerk nice guy wants to marry her I'm in so she got on the donkey and attended by her five maids went with David's messengers and became his wife David had also married Ahinoam of Jezreel and they were both his wives uh, now remember he had already had a wife remember her name anybody Michael we see the next verse so he married Michael. Remember, she's the, she's the chick that he paid 200 foreskins <laughs> that he got at Walmart for her. All right? He only wanted 100. He upped it. He did 400, no, 200 foreskins. Who had that job? This is all so bizarre. Anyway, so anyway, Saul, the big fat secret jerk, had taken Michael, who was already David's wife, and gave her to somebody else. Excuse me? I mean, Saul was so mean. So again, chapter 26 now. The Ziphites went to Saul at Gibeah and said, Hey, isn't David hiding on the hill of Hakila? 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 It's like they're from Hawaii or something. Which faces Jezebel. So anyway, the Ziphites, the dirty rats, went and squealed on him. And uh, actually, I think there's a psalm somewhere where he talks about that. I don't know where it is. Anyway, there's a psalm about this event. He writes another praise God psalm about the rat Ziphites who ratted him out. So anyway, so Saul went down to the desert of Ziph with his 3,000 chosen men of Israel there to search for David. Now, wait a minute. Did not Saul just say, sorry about that? Did he not just say, you know, you'll be king someday. Just don't kill my family. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're a nicer guy than me. I'm so sorry. As soon as he gets home, he's trying to kill David again. This guy couldn't stop. And so Saul made his camp beside the road on the hill of Hakalililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililililil
in this whole deal. Saul's right there. And Saul was lying inside the camp with the army encamped around him. Uh, apparently, they're all sleeping. <laughs> Isn't somebody supposed to be on guard? You know, a dog or something? Nothing. They're all sleeping. And David then asked Ahimelech the Hittite and Abishai, son of Zeruiah. <laughs> I hate these names. Jo Joab's brother. I, that's easier. Who will go down into the camp with me to Saul? I'll go with you, said Abishai. Now, you got to remember, this guy, he's a warrior. He is one seriously tough guy. You know, I mean, what do you say? I mean, he's like, a, he's like a, an adrenaline junkie. You know, he's constantly getting in, in dangerous situations. So here he sees Saul and all his camp and stuff, and, and they're trying to kill you, right? Best to keep your distance, okay? But David goes, uh, who wants to go with me? Let's go down there and check him out. You know, and, and Abishai goes, well, I'll do it. Come on, let's go down there. So David and Abishai went to the army by night. I'd be saying, see y'all later. Have a nice time storming the castle. I'd be sitting back, man. So David and Abishai went to the army by night, and there was Saul lying asleep inside the camp with his spear stuck in the ground near his head. And Abner and the soldiers were lying around him. Everybody's sleeping. Well, Abishai said to David, Ooh, today God has delivered your enemy into your hands. Now let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of my spear. I won't strike him twice. It's going to be a one-time pin the tail on the donkey. <laughs> Zing! But David says to Abishai, don't destroy him. Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Again, this is way, and, and, and it gets crazier. I mean, he did nothing but treat this man with incredible respect. As surely as the Lord lives, he says, the Lord himself will strike him. Either his time will come and he will die, or he'll go into battle and perish. But the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointing. Now, this is a good picture here. Let God deal with it. You know, let God deal with it. You, you got to be careful. Again, I'm not agreeing with these guys who empower themselves so much that they think no one can ever touch them no matter how they behave. I got issues with that stuff. But let's say you don't agree with somebody. Let's say you don't agree with the Puerto Rican, you know, and you're to the point where you say, I just can't stand that church anymore. You know, rather than get wicked and evil and nasty, best to just say, man, just let God deal with it. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to cross the line where you start getting really disrespectful and, and stuff. Again, at this level, this is like, I, I can't even relate to this. But uh, keeping, uh, keeping respectful and, and best to just say, we'll leave it in God's hands. Again, particularly when there's not something outrageous going on. Now, I'm saying all that to say this. I do think that a lot of these churches, some of y'all have come from some of these churches. Uh, the pastor is doing something everybody just doesn't like. I don't like him. I don't like him. They have this big revolt and they have to get, everybody gets together and they're you know, all the political stuff and organizing and trying to vote out the pastor. Some of you have left churches like that because it was insane. Or the church split in half over the carpet. You know, somebody had wanted red carpet, somebody wanted blue carpet. That's why a carpet's nothing but a big mess of colors here. We can't fight over nothing. Just 
Isn't this kind of weird? <laughs> Looks like a TV test pattern. <laughs> Do you remember that? So yeah, it doesn't happen anymore. But in the old days, oh, this is me. I'm like a geezer now. But in the old days, all the time, TVs would just pop. The station would just go off the air for some bizarre reason. And they'd say, please stand by. And they'd send this tone. And they'd pop up this weird test pattern. Looks like our carpeting here. Anyway, what am I talking about? It has nothing to do with this. Anyway, you know, where you get all the politics and it gets crazy and everybody fighting, man, don't get involved in stuff. That's where you say, man, I'm, I don't want to sin against God. It's God's got a hold of this deal. I need to be respectful. It doesn't mean you have to stay someplace where you are miserable and, and you, you don't feel you can support anymore. But uh, this whole thing, you know, because a lot of churches, they're so far from this. It's the other extreme. You know, they, they treat the, the pastors with contempt. Like they're nothing but morons and idiots. And they're just hired hands. And it's literally what, what a lot of churches are run. Some group of deacons or elders run the church. A pastor is just an employee. You know, say, well, why don't these pastors have more authority in the church? Because the church doesn't give them the authority. You know, they don't trust them. They walk in the door. They mistrust them. You know, we got, we're here because we don't trust you. <laughs> get somebody else to be pastor. If you're, if you're getting someone you don't trust, this is insane. I've had pastors tell me, yeah, my board has to appoint, uh, have a board approval for any amount of money over $50 that is spent. Okay, now any of you who has a business, can you imagine needing to get board approval before you can spend more than $50? And then we wonder why these churches don't grow. Why would they put in such an asinine restriction? I can't trust those pastors, you know, a bunch of greedy little rats, you know. Total disrespect for the man of God. Now that's bad. Okay, we can learn something here from that. But again, David, he, he took it like to a level it's hard for me to even relate to. Anyway, so he says, God forbid I do it. God's going to deal with it. He says, now get the spear and that water jug that's near his head. And let's get out of here. So David took the spear and the water jug near Saul's head. Again, pretty gutsy, you know. This is going to be fun, you know, other than the fact they could be killed. It's pretty exciting. And they're sneaking in and they're moving around these guys and they're taking his stuff. And they're sneaking back out again, you know. So David took the spear and, and they split. No one saw or knew about it, nor did anyone wake up. They were all sleeping because, because the Lord had put them in a dewy seat. Well, that makes sense. God must have caused it. Because you think someone's going to get killed, especially working for Saul. He was such a jerk. Somebody sleeping on the job. Then David crossed over to the other side and stood on top of the hill some distance away. Why? Because I don't want to get killed. So there was a wide stance be space between them, and he calls out to the army and to Abner, son of Ner. Hey, Abner! Abner, Ali, Ali, over! And Abner wakes up and says, Who are you? Who calls out to the king? David said, You're a man, aren't you? And who's like you in Israel? Why didn't you guard the Lord your king? Someone came to destroy your Lord the king. What you have not done is good. In other words, he dumps on him. What do you do? He's supposed to be protecting him. So David, who loves and respects the man who's trying to kill him, starts egging on and yelling at the general who should have been protecting him. <sighs> Amazing. What you have done is not good. 
As surely as the Lord lives, you and your men deserve to die because you did not guard your master, the Lord's anointed. Look around you. Where are the king's spear and water jug that were near his head? Well, Saul's waking up and he recognizes David's voice. And is, is that your voice, David, my son? My son. <laughs> David replied, yes, it is, my lord, the king. And he added, why is my lord pursuing his servant? What have I done? What wrong am I guilty of? Now let the Lord, the king, listen to his servant's words. If the Lord has enticed you against me, then may he accept an offering. If however men have done it, may they be cursed before the Lord. Again, he didn't know what was going on. They have now driven me from my share in the Lord's inheritance and have said, go serve other gods. Do not let my blood fall to the ground far from the presence of the Lord. The king of Israel has come out to look for a flea as one hunts a partridge in the mountains. I'm a nobody, nothing. Why are you still chasing me? By the way, oh, he's, he, it's interesting what he says here. They have told me, run and go and serve other gods. Okay, this was the temptation. This is, this is what they were being egg, David was being egged on to do by others. Uh, it's significant because in the next chapter, we see where David now turns to the Philistines and he goes and lives with them. And uh, we'll, we'll pick this up next week when we, when we read about this. Uh, because a lot of Bible scholars think that basically David did this. Uh, I have read this, reread this, read all the document, documentaries, and they're all over the place. I don't see it. We'll talk about it next week. But uh, I just wanted to point out that this, uh, when we talk about this next week, you know, this idea of go serve other gods, that somehow David finally gave in and went and did that because he went and lived with the Philistines. I don't think that's really what he did. Anyway, we'll talk about it next week. Anyway, then Saul said, I have sinned. Come back, David, my son. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Come back with you. Because you've considered my life precious today, I will not try to harm you again. Surely I've acted like a fool and have erred greatly. Here is the king's spear, David answered. I want to be our young man. Come over and get it. The Lord rewards every man for his righteousness and faithfulness. The Lord delivered you into my hands today, but I would not lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. As surely as I valued your life today, so may the Lord value my life and deliver me from all trouble. Then Saul said to David, may you be blessed, my son David. You will do great things and surely triumph. And so David went on his way and Saul returned home. Let's read the next verse here in chapter 27. But David thought to himself, one of these days I will be destroyed by the hand of Saul. And, that, and we will pick this up. Again, a lot of Bible scholars think at this point David starts doubting God's protection. He runs to the Philistines. He becomes buddies with them. I'll give you my argument why I don't necessarily agree with what they said, but uh, it's real interesting. Uh, and what, what happens to David next. Um, and then just a bizarre story of Saul and the witch of Endor. Ooh, this is movie kind of stuff. And it's like, We should have music like that the whole time I'm reading it. How, how this witch calls Samuel from the grave and oh, real interesting stuff. And we'll read about all that stuff. So not much left to go here in 1 Samuel. But uh, Saul's time is coming quickly to an end. And David will be vindicated. And then he will become king. And then we'll see what happens with that. So y'all having fun learning this stuff? Good stuff, isn't it, man? It's a good word. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, the ushers can come forward and the musicians can come back.
this is cool. Cool stuff. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can gather in this place to honor you, to serve you, put our hearts and our thoughts and attentions toward you. I pray, Lord, as we continue to study from your word, that you would speak to us by your Holy Spirit and help us to grow from it, challenge us to grow in our faith and to be men and women of deep character. Sometimes, Lord, reading men of such character like David, it's hard to even begin to relate to, but Lord, help us to grow in our faith, to be uh, of stronger character, greater love, greater respect, and to truly trust you in all our circumstances. That's the biggest lesson through all of this. Thank you for that. Lord, we ask you to bless this offering. Continue to use this money to advance your kingdom, we pray, and bless your servants as we continue to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.